I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Walker Report Extra Podcast. I'm getting cheerier by the week. I mean, if you compare my intros... This season, compared to last season, you'll see a very large difference. The depression has been lifted, so it seems four wins and five. Um, I'm actually really enjoying this League One stuff. It's kind of nice going to grounds and actually winning games. It's even better coming from behind. It's brilliant. It feels like, like I said last week, it does sometimes feel like we're going through the league a little bit and ruffling the heads of the teams that are coming up against us. But there will be a team one day that does knock us off what we feel is a perch at the minute. And we're only five games in. But we've got a team who... On the face of it, it's struggling, but they did get a win on Saturday, I believe, in Oxford. And to join us, obviously, this week, I've got actually two people, two. So if you think one confuses me, two is going to confuse me. So we'll try and see what we can do. I've got Simon from the Fence End Pod and also from the Fence End Pod. I have yourself, Fraser, who I've originally been speaking to. So you're originally my favorite. Simon's going to have to do a lot to play into my hands. But how are you guys doing? You all right? Yeah, all good, thanks. All good, thanks. Well, season could be going better, but yeah, not bad. Not bad, yeah. And you, Simon, how are you feeling, mate? Yeah, it's it's improved. We we, we got off to a shocking start, um, but some of the players that we thought were going to do well seem to have just started to play a little bit. So yeah, it's, it, the season seems to have started in the last couple of weeks, really. So what went wrong at the start? Because you were like bottom. Um, well, we started with Barnsley away, um, which I guess is a... Uh, one of the tougher places to go. I say yeah. that where we've, we're going to your place on Saturday, so maybe. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we we got well and truly turned over there. Um, I think our second game was Fleetwood Town, and it was just a really poor display. But uh, we've seen sort of green shoots of recovery in the last few games, so it looks like we've, uh, it's coming together a little bit now. Players are gelling, to use a cliche from what we've seen. But um, I think going forward on last Saturday, we sort of we started to look really good. Still a bit shaky at the back, um, but uh, yeah, it might be a game of offence on Saturday, I think. And do you think there's any reason um, for like your slow start, apart from players just not gelling, has there been, and again, I feel like I'm saying this every week, I feel like I've been saying this for a year, but like we have kind of plummeted down the leagues. It's, it's I promise it's not ignorance. I, I will plead my, my innocence to that, but has there been a big sort of upheaval, a big change at Oxford, or is it just players didn't gel originally, or, or is there something not quite right in the team where you started? So poorly, I think you lost at like, the first four. Yeah, the the, the first uh, a lot the at the start of preseason, um, Carl Robinson said he wanted to get the you know the players in nice and early and and get everyone gelled, and it didn't really happen. Um, we had two or three loans come in towards the end of the transfer window, and a couple of players who've not had full preseasons who've and and we just looked disjointed at the start of the season and and players that for you know um Jamie Mackey came in and and we thought he'd be a decent player for us and he's been played out wide because of a little bit of an injury issue with with other players not not starting he came on at the weekend up front um as a sub and played really well on his own up front which i think is his his preferred position so i think it's just been a little bit of a, a slow start because not everyone's had, had um, full pre-seasons and, um, you know, and, and other players getting injured. And it, I think it's just going to take a, a little while for the for the team to settle into a bit of a rhythm um, and, and pick up, which we, we certainly looked on on Saturday against Burton. And, and to be honest, against Tuesday, although we lost to Accrington, 
we played a lot better than we had done, you know, in in previous games. We actually were in that game. The other three games, we we we've been very poor. I suppose you know it's it's weird because again, there's a lot of these teams in this league. I, I don't really know. You mentioned Barnsley previously. That's a little bit different. The teams that have went down, like Burton, I know a little bit more about. Um, so I suppose when it comes to expectations of when I'm asking the fans of of like Wimbledon last week, for example, what the expectations are. Were your expectations higher than where they were and have they realigned because of the start? Or are you still pretty confident that? Yeah, I mean, you can lose the first four games and still finish mid-table or push playoffs in these leagues quite easily. But where do you hope to be or where did you hope to be and where do you now think you might be? Yeah, I think um, before the season started, we kept making uh, signings, which uh, for us looked, looked pretty good. Um, we brought in players. We thought, yeah, this looks good. That looks good. Um and then I think we all expected a much better start than what we've had. Um, the, we came up into League One two years ago um, and, and did pretty well that season. Um, last season was a bit of a different story. Um, we sort of marginally had a bit of a relegation scrap towards the end, but sort of steered clear um, with a bit of time to spare. Um, I think our expectations are still high. Um, we still want, I still think it's, it's perfectly acceptable to think we can finish in the playoffs. Um, I don't see any reason why not. I think if it clicks for Oxford, they can uh, they can really push on. Um, if we can keep people like Ricky Holmes fit, we've got Samir Carruthers to come back, um, so we can have a really sort of dominant midfield. And people like Marcus Brown going forward and Gavin White have done really well for us in, in the last game. So, you know, I don't know if they're Chris Maguire level yet, but uh, <laughs> ask me my opinion on him at five o'clock on Saturday and I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> I was going to go on to Chris Maguire, actually. The funny thing with Chris Maguire is, again, he was a player that... There was a lot of these players that have came in at Sunderland. We've had, like, Ozturk, Leuvens, Maguire, a lot of players that have came in. And admittedly, we haven't known much about them. We kind of look more at the pedigree, where they've been and how they've done it, and ask their opinion of their former clubs. And I think Maguire came with a bit of a... I don't want to say a scathing assessment, but it wasn't a nice one from the Berry fans. They... They basically roasted him, criticised his attitude and, and all sorts. And if I'm honest with you, Chris Maguire has been my favourite player that we brought in this summer. Like, I absolutely love him. He's a shithouse. Like, I love him. Like, but he's one of those players that... Like, he is a, and the thing with Maguire, and I mentioned this last week, what's really good about him, we need players with the right kind of attitude this season. I mean, I suppose everyone's seen or has an idea of someone from the outside looking in and how horrible it's been for quite a number of years. And yes, there's, there's a change with the ownership and there's definitely a change in the mindset. But a lot of that's down to players like Chris Maguire, I think. Um, he gave a penalty win in the first five minutes in the game against Charlton. Um, and it, the Sunderland crowd can turn with that. That that can They can decide that that's it, you're rubbish. Like that can happen, like especially in the, the demeanour in the last few seasons we've had. But he, he was actually our best player, in my opinion, on the first game of the season. He really recovered from that. He scored two goals. And he's a total nuisance. And you can just see that He's one of those wingers that can make something happen, but he, he grasps his bollocks off, doesn't he? And I think yeah. I really wanted to ask you about Chris Maguire because I know that he's, he's really well-liked down at Oxford, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's he's a bit what people in football say, a journeyman. Well, he was before he came to Oxford. Um, I don't really think he ever settled that well anywhere. Um, but I can't speak for Simon as well, but but he's I've, I think he's a hero. He's a, he's such a, like you say, he's such a shithouse. He's yeah. such a wind-up merchant um we played so our derby swindon town we played them home and away and he just bossed the game in both games because he absolutely loves that sort of atmosphere he loves to play against fans who he knows hate him um so and and like you say he's just a complete wind-up merchant and he's a sort of player who you absolutely hate when he plays against you but you absolutely love when he plays for you but yeah, so I can't speak for Simon as well, but yeah, I think I think he's a hero. But yeah, as I said, ask me again on Saturday afternoon. I'll, I'll let you know what I think. <laughs> I agree totally with you there, Fraser. He is. I think I think he's a he's a big game player as well. You know, the, the cup games that we had um, over the last couple of seasons against Swansea and against uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the N word on here, um, but he, he you know <laughs> he, he loved he loved those games. He loved the Swindon games, and I think you know. If you obviously you're out of the league cup, you get a decent FA Cup draw game on the telly, perhaps, or a game you know against a, a big club. He'll be the player that that kind of makes it happen. You know, he's he, against Middlesbrough as well. You know, he he took possibly the most casual looking free kick I think I've ever seen. It was like a a two step 
and just like he was knocking it into a goal against a you know a Sunday league football team. It was so casual, but he lo- he he loves it to be about him and and whether with all due respect, and now I'm going to be disrespectful, but all due respect to Berry, were they kind of on his level? If that makes sense, uh, you know, yeah. it was he he loved the 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 you know we were on the up when he came to us with Michael Appleton, he had a half season and a season with us and everything was going wonderfully. Appleton left, it, you know, the new manager didn't want him. He's gone to Berry. He was spending loads of money on players, but it never worked. You know, it didn't seem to work for them. They, they were, let's, again, <laughs> without being disrespectful, they, they perhaps, you know, are never going to be a big club because of their proximity to lots of other big clubs that Northwest, you know, you, they're, they're up against Blackburn and Manchester and all the clubs there. So I, I think going where he's gone to you guys and enjoying that big atmosphere, he'll, he'll thrive because he loves that. And and I think he'll have, a, if he plays, I assume he'll play on Saturday, he'll get a great reception from the Oxford fans. I mean, I really, I really do agree with what I've seen so far. I mean, he seems to just be like reveling being at Sunderland. That's it's really not. And and again, you know, yes, we're a League One team. Like I, I keep saying this, and and we can't just walk around this league like Billy Big Bollocks because we'll get knocked off a perch at some point. We're going to get beat one day off like Walsall one 0 by a shite penalty in the ninetieth minute. That's going to happen. It's got to happen. It's just the way football is. But I suppose in the grand scheme of things, it's a bigger stadium. It's a maybe bigger expectations. And he really seems to be reveling in it. I mean, he scored against, um, he got his first goal against Scunthorpe and it was a lovely little back heel. And then he scored, well, we went 2-0 down against Gillingham and he equalised a minute later. And his first thought was just to run straight at the Gillingham fans and do this kind of like Mbappe sort of celebration. And it was just yeah. like, we love that kind of stuff. Like, like, because he seems like he really wants to like, graft his bollocks off for Sunland and, and also for himself and for his, his own sake. And I think he wants to prove some people wrong. But one thing I noticed with Berry, and I say this with the greatest of respect, like Lee Clark is not well liked at Sunland. It, that was my childhood. Like Lee Clark was a really good player for us. But obviously what he did, whether you, you may or may not be aware of, he wore a, a shirt whilst he was playing for Sunland that was anti-Sunland. But, you know, we can't expect a Jordy to have brains alongside footballing ability. That's just way beyond the levels of expectation um, of what you can expect from someone from eight mile up the road. But um, he was a very good player for us. But as a manager, he's, he's never really done much as he's never lasted long. I think he did a right at Huddersfield at, right at the beginning. But Lee Clark doesn't strike me as the kind of person that would get the best out of someone like Chris Maguire. Not at all. And I think a, a lot of the signing of Chris Maguire originally came. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Sadly, I haven't met Stuart Donald yet. All the other bloody lads on this Southern Roker Report have, so it seems. Um, I'm sure I'll get my turn on Saturday, hopefully. Um, but he he's obviously an Oxford fan, I believe, him and Methven. I believe they're both Oxford fans. And I think a lot of the, the purchase of Maguire came from possibly Stuart Donald's thoughts of like, yeah, I think maybe he he pushed him towards him because I think he just knew he had the right character. And he spoke about it on one of our podcasts. He, he did a podcast with, with Connor right at the beginning, like our main podcast, not the extra one, not the one that gets recorded in the bedroom like me. Um, I don't get the, the lavish luxury of a bloody studio. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I'm not better. Not, bitter, no. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. He talked about Maguire being the kind of person that wouldn't hide. And he was saying about how you know, moving forward, we had a lot of players that have hidden uh, Jack Rodwell, um, to name but one, sort of that kind of attitude of player who it's a lot easier for them just to kind of turn their nose up at Sunderland and turn their backs to us and just not play very well and just whinge that the club's not managed correctly. And he talked about how Chris Maguire wouldn't hide, even if things went wrong. And it was weird that the first game, something went completely wrong for him. He put this terrible tackle in and just gave a penalty away in the first five minutes. Totally sucked out all the like expectation and excitement. And yet he turned out to be our best player and he should have scored on that day. He took a free kick. Again, one of those two-step lackadaisical sort of free kicks that should have went in the top corner. Um, but he's really gone from strength to strength. He's, he's really, really done really well. Um, and I really wouldn't be surprised if he's up there at the end of the season if he continues with this kind of form for like our player of the year. Um, so I think with all disrespect to Berry, they're just not as good as our football clubs, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say because I'm a Chris. Mag- I'm Chris McGuire's number one fan at the moment, which is probably this is. Uh, I feel like I've asked the question. And I know what you're going to say to this now, but let's pretend we haven't discussed Chris McGuire for the last ten minutes. Um, 
how have you found Sunderland start this season and from what you've seen and is there anyone you particularly fear? Is it Lee Catamore all of a sudden after he's discovered he's a goal machine on Saturday? I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I get, well, I guess it is I guess it is Chris Maguire um, for me personally, only because, I don't know, it's a bit of a split really because I'd, I'd be gutted if he scored against us, but then part of me would also think I, I want him to be a complete shithouse against us because that's why I love him. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I guess it's him. And it's just, I don't know, I guess it's just the the pure sort of, it's Sunderland, isn't it? It's a, it's a big hitter in this league. Um, I'm sure we're not the first other fans to say that. But yeah, he, you know, it is, you know, it is Sunderland, isn't it? So every, everyone's expecting them to do very well this year. Um, as soon as they came down, I think it was, well, they're, they're probably the ones who go back up. There's all sorts of stories. I'm sure you could probably put them right. There's all sorts of stories thrown about, about, parachute payments and the amount of money you've got next to all the other clubs so yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't know definitely the players individuals but just the fact that it's Sunderland yeah and it's I guess like you said at the start it's the team we all want to beat isn't it so we all want to be the first to do it so yeah yeah I, I think there's also a, a, you know talking about players from from opposition clubs there's, there's always that kind of you know the odd name here and there unless you're an absolute football you know geek you're not going to know the teams you know much about the teams we're playing you know unless unless they've been in your division for for ages and there's always this you know the same old players that always score against you or, or the teams that we always beat you know that sort of stuff so mm-hmm. I, I guess yeah Lee Catamol's one of those that that you know because he's been there ages and he's he's a name that that's familiar um and obviously Chris McGuire because of his time with us you know, but they, they, and, and Max Power's a name that you have quite an interesting name, so you remember that one. But I, I think there's a, there's a kind of you know, well, they're all third division footballers, really. You know, it, it because we are where we are. You know, and there's not that same media coverage of of League One as there is a champion of of um, as Premier League. So you kind of sometimes taken a little bit by surprise by some of the you know the quality of the players simply because you, unless you're watching. TV or you know following YouTube channels of clubs, you're not always going to be completely up to speed with with who the danger men are. I, I completely agree with you on that, and it really saves my bacon of sounding like a, a complete imbecile every week by not knowing any players of any teams. Um, but <clears throat> I think when it comes to like League One and the Championship as well, it's not like the Premiership where you have yes the media coverage and stuff like that as well. But there seems to be, with the exception of one or two teams in the Premiership. Yeah, the teams finish where you expect them to finish. In this league, anyone can finish anywhere. Like if Oxford finished 24th or if Oxford finished 7th, would anyone be that su- surprised? I mean, not really because it it's, tends to be who has the best work ethic or who has the best team or the best plan moving forward. Um, I suppose, and, and you touched on before about the money we had, it, it doesn't feel like a great amount. And I don't think, I, I don't know too much of the ins and outs, um, unfortunately. Um, I wish I did. Um, I'll try and grab Stuart on the Saturday and just nag him to see how many millions he's got and how much he can borrow me. Um, probably not going to happen. But I, I, I think he made a statement that he would have a good budget in this league, one that some championship clubs would be um, jealous of. And then a few weeks later, I think a few people were like, well, we've signed like nine players on a free transfer. And it was like, yeah. And then I think it got fired back to him. And I think the question, the way he answered it was like, if you look at what some teams in League One spend and you'll get what some teams in the championship spend, you know, a million pounds, a lot of money um, and that sort of league. So I don't know if we have as much as we thought. I'd like to think so. But I also think that, and again, I don't know this, but I think there's a few stories coming out in the paper last week about how we were spending, what was it? I think it was like a, quite a few thousand pounds on plastic flowers. And I think when you go into a business and you go, oh, right, we're spending this much money on that. And why is Jack Rodwell there? I think there's a bit of a panic probably. And we've still got people like Didier and Dong and Papi Dilabodji still on the on the wage bill. And, and Lee Catamold as well. And although he's been in the team and in and around the team, same with Brian Oviedo, I don't imagine they're on League One players' wages, even with the reduction. So I don't know if maybe we would have spent maybe a little bit more um, than what was anticipated or what we have. So we spent already if we'd got rid of all those big hitters straight away. But then on the flip side, I think we spent close to a million pounds, 600,000 on Charlie White. So I don't know how many teams in this league can do this. I think that's probably the biggest transfer, 600,000 to a million pound, give or take, probably in this division. I mean, he's got to try and dislodge Josh Madger, who scored four and five. 
and I suppose bringing in people like Jack Baldwin as well, 250,000. It doesn't seem much to a, a team that was in the Premiership two years ago, but at the same time, in the grand scheme of things, looking at League One and what teams spend, I mean, how much did you spend this year? Was it, was it very much? James Hansen we bought from Derby, undisclosed fee, but there's sort of anything from sort of two, two to 300,000 is what you, you kind of hear as rumours. Other than that, I'm not sure we've we've actually spent out. I think Gavin White from Crusaders came in. I don't suppose that would have been a big, big sort of spend. But I, I think there's always that sort of talking about just because you've spent money, is it necessarily going to work? I think at the very top level, if you know, if you're a Premier League foot player and you're buying absolute world class players for sixty million, you know they're going to be better than a player that you've bought from a you know Spanish second division club for ten million. Whereas I think at this level, players are in the third division because then you know they might have talent, but they're you know sort of a little bit temperamental, or they might be absolute you know solid seven out of tens every week, but lack a little bit in terms of technique. So I think at this level you can get sort of this that that's where that disparity comes in, and you get. A manager who, for a season, will just get the best, absolute best out of everybody. Yeah, and and you know, surprise me. You know, Accrington Stanley getting promoted from League Two is a hell of an achievement. You're talking about, you know, I don't know what Jack Rodwell was on, but I would imagine he's, he's more. <laughs> he earns more in a year easily than the whole Accrington squad. Probably the whole Accrington. You know, their their um, sort of turnover for the for the season. I oh yeah, he's it'll be less than Jack Robbo earns. So, but you've got a team there that, that are absolutely together. And I think you'll get that in this division and certainly League Two, we found it, you know, where a team becomes more than the sum of its parts simply because of a, you know, a set of circumstances where you get a manager who just absolutely gets everything out of a, out of a team. And I think that's what you've got to kind of hope for at this level that, that you get that where you, you overachieve because I think it's a little easier to overachieve at this level than it is at the at the very high level. You know, like you say, you know what the pretty much what the Premier League is going to be. Obviously, you know, Leicester a couple of seasons ago was a complete freak. But Yeah, completely. Whereas, you know, you look at some of the you know, some of the the the, the odds at the start of the season, compare it to the end of the season, it you know, it's all over the place because it's it's much harder to 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 guess or or, or kind of predict where, where teams are going to go. Yeah, like I, I looked at Plymouth this year and I, looked, I thought Plymouth made some good signings and yet they're like second bottom mm. and they're getting thrashed off teams. Um, th- this league's just, it, it's nuts. And I really hope, I mean, it's very early in the season. It's five games. Yeah, we started really well, but, you know, the same way that you lost your first four games and you could improve, we could go the opposite way. God, I hope not. I don't think I could handle that. But say that we did. <clears throat> I, I really hope that if we continue in the same vein that Jack Ross does get the credit that he's, he probably deserves. I think it's kind of been overshadowed maybe a little bit because of certain players and individuals and, and the whole new ownership of Sunderland has kind of got the limelight. I think Jack Ross has done a really good job of transforming the way we play. Like we're playing some really slick passing football, but even when that didn't work on Saturday and Wimbledon kind of overloaded us with bodies, he sort of changed it up a bit, changed the team around. And I thought, I've been really impressed with Jack Ross, actually. I, I kind of wasn't sure what to expect. I'll, I'll live in Glasgow as the, the listeners hopefully will know because they listen to my every word and, and rely on it. Um, <clears throat> that's a lie. Um, but they they will know I live in Glasgow. So he used to manage St. Mirren, which is basically Paisley. Um, place I wouldn't recommend visiting, if I'm honest with you. But nonetheless. Um, There's an airport there, isn't there? Is that how you get there out of it? Is. Yeah, that's how you get out of it. <laughs> it's fine. Um, unless it's Ryanair, you just stood there for hours on end. Um, yeah. We've all been there. Um, but he... He's obviously been at St Mirren uh, and he he had a really good style of play at St Mirren and a, a lot of fans probably just wouldn't have known that I had a little bit more knowledge because of just where I live and because I work with people who support St Mirren so I had a little bit more about him. But I think the most impressive thing is is how he changed the way we played on Saturday at halftime when he seen it wasn't working. I think he made two changes and just changed it all and I think as much as we may have a bit more money, maybe the better individual players in this league so far. I think the most impressive thing for me is how he's got the team playing. Like there seems to be like an ethos, and I don't think he's frightened to change that either. If he sees it's not working, and I think that's what's making me so positive. I, I don't worry some big brutes are going to come up against us because that's what Wimbledon did, and we changed the game the way we played. We we came through it. But 
that kind of brings me to what I wanted to ask about Oxford. Now, it, it sounds weird because the last time you actually played at the stadium, like I was there and you got beat 7-0. <laughs> and we're talking 21 years ago, I believe, or 20 years ago. And the last time we actually played each other was the first ever pay-per-view game. Um, but I always remember Oxford as being like what is now a championship team. Um, Division one, as it would have been back in the day, were Roker Park. And I always remember Oxford had, they were quite well known for having quite a nice style of play. Um, you always quite, a, I wouldn't say high end, as we say, championship team, but you could always compete. Um, I remember players like Joey Beecham and obviously John Byrne was there as well for a period of time. But what's Oxford's style of play like now? What what can we expect from you on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I think it, we're we're a club and a fan base that that likes to play decent football. Get the ball down, play it, play it wide. You know, play at a decent pace. Um, and and it's been I mean, the start of this season. It's it's hard to tell. Well, certainly the first few games, it was diff, it was difficult to see how we were trying to play, what the formation was. It was a bit disjointed. I, I think with. You look at the number of goals that we we've, we've scored and, and have been scored against us. I think I think I'd be surprised if there's many nil nils involving us this season. It's going to be well, we'll try and score more than the opposition. That'll be the you know rather than let's not let them score and we might sneak one. It's just going to be let's go for it. And I think certainly the last couple of games, Gavin White has really impressed a lot of the fans. Um, he's, he's kind of gone from semi-pro Northern Irish football to coming in and, and looking a real threat. Um, and, a, and a couple of lads on loan, you know, with um, with Marcus Brown on loan, who's come in, and Ricky Holmes in on loan. Players who, who've got a real ability about them. Um, and I I think, and I hope, we'll, we'll, we'll try and play this, you know, we haven't got a big target, man, so we can't really lump it long. We've, we've, we did that a couple of times early in the season. It's just not going to work because we haven't got a man who can hold it up. So I think I think we'll try and play through midfield and, and try and play a nice style of football. And I, I remember sort of uh, last season, and now again, like I say, I don't know too much about certain certain teams at this level. I'm sure I'll, I'll learn. But there was a player that I actually really liked for you last year. I managed to catch, I can't remember what game it was, but it was on Sky, and it was Ryan Ledson. Now he left to go to Preston, I believe, but he hasn't really done much. Who have you replaced him with? I've, yeah. I'm watching it. He's got sent off tonight with a typical <laughs> Lego tackle. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> he was, um, he was it's interesting. He was a player. He got uh, obviously got sold in the summer to Preston, mm-hmm. but the first game that we had this season away at Barnsley, we got absolutely tonked four nil. The thing you came away thinking, the thing you came away from the game thinking, was we massively missed someone like Ryan Ledson because we got absolutely overrun in midfield. Um, we just we just didn't have an answer for the Barnsley assault uh, through the middle of the park. And um, he is the sort of player who, um, he took a little bit of time to bed in at Oxford, but Christ, when he did, it was just, it was like, oh, it was quite an old, old fashioned style of football. He was just, he was studs in constantly. He was putting tackles in. He was like a vicious, nippy little player. Great player to watch as well. And um, yeah, he, he was the guy that, I, I came away from the first game thinking we massively missed a player like that who was going to put a, put a foot on the ball, put a tackle in, have a bit of communication in the midfield. Um, and because we just looked, in those games when we were dire, we just looked so disjointed and we looked like we were lacking a leader, which for, a, I think he's 21, 20, for a guy of his age, yeah, we massively lacked him. But like as Simon says, yeah, I think he got sent off about an hour ago for a two-footed lunge, didn't he? So he <laughs> comes with that as well. <laughs> we all love that. I, yeah. I secretly do. That's what I quite liked about League One is you can just kind of leather into someone and protest your innocence just because you're not very good. Um, <laughs> another another player who, if if what I'm told is correct, we were actually interested in, um, and I don't think it really went anything past maybe conversations, but um, Curtis Nelson, I, I believe we were rumoured to be interested in him. He's, um, an he's an interesting one because he's, we got him from Plymouth Argyle and he was a great signing when we got him and he had a great season last year um, but he well sorry he had a great season the year before that last year he was injured for most of it um, but he's he's a great talent but interestingly he's been he's the captain of a back line which has shipped 14 goals so far in five games so 
not that that's all his fault, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, you've got to hold your hands up and play a part. If you're the, cap- the club captain and you're a, a centre back and your back line's let 14 goals, 13 or 14 goals in five games, there's a problem there, surely. Um, we all know he's a he's a good talent. I think he's the, the back line going to tighten up eventually. Um, hopefully, it's as of now. But um, uh, yeah, the, he's an interesting one because, like you say, he is a great player. Um, but I think he just needs to refine his form ever so slightly. I think it was. I, I don't know where the the rumor of our interest in him was, but I think as soon as we got kind of Baldwin and Leuven's in, I think. Maybe that kind of cooled down a little bit, but I, I watched him a little bit more because of that. I signed him on Football Manager, of course I did, um, just to see what he'd be like. You know, he was actually he was all right, but a little bit overpriced. But nonetheless, I'm living in the real world at this moment in time, um, or at least trying to anyway. Um, and he, he did look all right, but as you say, you know, again, it's not his fault. But if my team shipping 14 goals and he's the captain, you've got to you've got to wonder why. Um, in terms of the formation that you play at the back, do you play a flat back four? Yeah, well, we, we we've had a right mixture of of, um, of players playing across the back four, and and one of the I think something that's not helped our our defence is is Simon Eastwood, the goalkeeper, who for the last sort of three years has been outstanding and and really has has kept us in games. He's kept I think last season, you know, his performances probably kept us in the division as well. He, he's Every week he's pulling off world class saves, and at the in the warm up for the um, not first game, second game of the season, um, he compound fracture of one of his fingers. So he's he's made a right mess of his hand, and that was in the warm up. And I think it's just getting used to a goalkeeper who then came in on loan very late in the in the transfer window. Getting used to to him, um, so you've you've got players who've gone through the whole preseason knowing the keeper behind them. To all of a sudden, a young lad who's going looks a decent talent, but uh, you know it, they're all getting used to each other. And we've Carl uh, Robinson sort of chopped and changed from the first couple of games, you know, um, into into a different. He's changed three of the back four. I, th- I think we've looked better at the back recently. We we've got. Um, We've got a couple of players, sort of Cameron Norman at the right back, if he plays, is one that gets forward a lot. And Josh Ruffles, who's a kind of converted midfield, very u- good utility player, has played at left back. But he, he won't get, he's not going to bomb on. Um, so it's kind of a, a slightly disjointed back, or, you know, uneven, if you like, in that the, the right hand side will get forward, the left side will be a bit more sort of, he'll, he'll sit. But, um, yeah, we, we we don't sort of play sort of three at the back or five at the back or anything like that. It, it's it is a fairly sort of standard back four. Okay, because um, I mean we, we've kind of done the same, but also converted in between. We've sort of done three at the back sometimes, but but not too often. I think like Charlton game, we switched like three at the back. But the problem with three at the back is Alim Ozturk has to play, and as much as I don't want to bring any negatives to that, he looks like a bit of a donkey. If I'm honest with you. Um, he doesn't look very good at all. Uh, whereas when Leuven's and Baldwin are there, it looks a little bit more solid. But to be fair to Ozturk, he came on on uh, Saturday against Wimbledon um, and he wasn't bad. He, he was there. He did stuff. <laughs> like he kicked the ball and and didn't let too many things go past him. Um, still worries me a bit though. Um, but yeah, a lot of teams seem to be doing that four at the back with the holding midfielder do you kind of is, is the shape of your team that kind of modern four five one four three three shape or do you are you a bit more conservative or a bit more advanced uh i think we're we're so many things this season it's hard to tell me <laughs> you, never know what, you never know what we're going to be like where you see us um we've we experiment we've, we've i guess he's a big fan of the fullbacks getting forward we had luke garbert left back who's on loan from everton oh yeah, um, no, yeah. he's 24 25 or something like that so i think he's He'll be on a good contract at Everton, um, but he's—I he, don't—I'm not writing the guy off, but he's, he's not really been what we expected um, at th- this point so far, uh, and he's so so much so that he's now been dropped. Um, so I mean, it's it's as Simon says, he's changed the back line so many times um, that I can't believe we're going to. When the fixtures came out, we saw we had um, Sunderland away. It, it sort of very early in the season. You thought our oh, guard will be a key player in that one, and 
I'm now sitting here thinking, well, probably best if he if he doesn't play that game because we have better options. Um, um, and then right back, um, we're currently it's Cameron Norman at right back, who um, again is 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 really come on in his performances lately. But first choice at the start of the season was um, McMahon, wasn't it? That's dreadful. I can't remember his first name. Simon, help me. Tony, Tony, yeah. Tony McMahon, yeah, that's how well I know the team. Yeah, I've got all the squads up on the screen here alongside. Oh, here we go. All right, okay. <laughs> You're better prepared than I am. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. It's I'd love to answer your question, but it's so difficult to say what Oxford are going to be like at any yeah. given point. So, um, yeah, I guess we just have to see what happens. <laughs> no, you know, I think at the same time, it's like when when we think about it, you know, the team. We're only like what five six games into the season, so it's things can drastically change. And like if you look at Oxford on just as a flat platform, you go, well, they're shite, but that's not the whole story. And this is why I do this. You know what I mean? Just because you've lost four games doesn't necessarily mean you haven't been on the up the past few weeks. And obviously, you know, you're the best guys to speak to about that. On the flip side, I hope that you are really shite on Saturday. Um, I hope that we continue in the same run of form as we have done. Um, which brings me on to the, the question I would always ask. I'll, I'll give my prediction first. Now, here's my prediction, all right? Now, people are going to think this is pessimistic, but let me give you a little story, which some of the listeners may know. So I live in Glasgow. I do have a season ticket. I go to the games. But I'm a busy guy. You know, I miss one or two, and it's difficult to get down for every single home and away game. So there is some that I miss. Um, we went through a really bad run of home form. And there was one game we played Fulham at home. I decided I couldn't get down, really. Um, I just didn't have the money at that point to get down. And, of course, that was the first game we won in the whole calendar year, when I didn't go to. So, brilliant. And I went to the next five or so after that, or the next four, lost every one of them. So, I was like, you know what? I'm not, no, I'm not going back. I'm not going back till Ella Short's gone. Of course, I went back. But the one game I missed, <clears throat> when I said I wasn't going to go, we won. We beat Hull 1-0. Towards the end of the season, we had the game against Wolves, which was like a dead rubber. They'd been promoted. We'd obviously been relegated. Um, I was working that day, unfortunately, and I'd been to the previous three, um, including a, a last-minute equaliser for Norwich on a Tuesday night. And, of course, we beat Wolves 3-0. And then this season, the Charlton game and then Scunthorpe, both days I've also been working, unfortunately, and I've missed them both. So I haven't seen Sunderland win, actually, in the flesh in a league game for well over a year. Now I'm going on Saturday. Yes, I'm good. Glad going. To hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see why my pessimism might say I think a one-one draw. How are you feeling? How are you guys feeling about it? Do you know it would it would honestly be? I'm I'm going to sound like an idiot now when you if you uh, if you turn us over big time on Saturday, but it would be the most Oxford United thing in the world if Oxford pulled off a win on Saturday. Um, I honestly wouldn't. I would be very surprised, but I wouldn't be that shocked if it makes any sense because it's just the sort of thing we do. We'll we'll go and win at the hardest place in the league, and then we'll struggle massively against someone sort of who who's nailed on for relegation. So, but I'm not going to predict a win. I'm probably going to agree with you, and I, I'm actually going to predict a draw. I think I think Oxford could 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 do a draw. Simon. Yeah, I, I totally, I've been saying the same thing. I think the last couple of weeks, this Fraser there, it would be typical Oxford to to have an awful start to the season and then go away and, and get a result. We, I think we did it at, at Blackburn, Blackburn a couple of seasons back, where you know we we'd had a poor run of form and then we go to somewhere like Blackburn and, and turn them over and look look brilliant, you know. So I I. I I would yeah if you if you offered me a draw I'd take it now absolutely uh, yeah I would <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I I think we'd even take a, a narrow def- you know a plucky narrow defeat you know but with a with an improved another improved performance but um, that is a long old drive home as well well we're, we're <laughs> heading eight miles up the road across the river and staying the Saturday night so uh, it'll even if we should either celebrate or drown our sorrows, one of the two. Or just if we win, I'll meet, I'll meet up with you afterwards. If we win, if if we don't, if we get beat, I'll just I'll lose your numbers, your emails. It'll just be like one of those nights where I just forget that you even existed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say a draw because I just I, I cannot remember what it's like to see Sunderland win when I'm actually there, um, which is really quite shite to say to be honest. But I'm, I actually am feeling quite positive. I think. We're winning games even when we're not playing that well. Like Wimbledon, we were we were pretty dire, if I'm honest with you. Um, and also the week before, uh, and so well, the midweek game against Gillingham, we won four one, but we weren't 
We weren't that great. A bit dodgy at the back. A few crosses came in. I'm pleased you said you didn't have a target, man. We seem to be having a few issues with that. If you have a team full of midgets, I feel pretty confident. Because um, we've got one or two midgets and we they can play good football, but put a big like brute against us. And there seem to be issues. Tommy Eves co- causes quite a few issues for Gillingham. But then again, we won 4-1. So you can see where my confidence is coming from. We haven't been outstanding, but there's nine points in the bag in the last six days. So can't really complain you know what I mean um I, I think something you know I've been the last week or so sort of catching up on some so you know some Sunderland fan forums and social media and stuff and I, I think you know you, you've you've obviously had a, a pretty shocking last two or three seasons and like you say you, you know it's been a year or so since you've seen them win and I think yeah you know there's there's been you kind of read so you've got to read everything tongue-in-cheek and realize that you know as football fans we love it when we, when you know, when we turn around, or you know, you're, you're struggling for years, and then you had a run of form. You don't get carried away, you know. It's a, it's a little bit, I think, as well, like the 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 whole football's coming home during the World Cup. We knew at some point we were gonna we were gonna get beaten in the World Cup. I don't think anyone genuinely felt we would, you know, it was coming home. I did against Croatia, and that was the worst part. <laughs> well, I think we, we just sort of you were in in Croatia. You said. The Croatia game, when we scored after five minutes, I was like, fuck it, it's coming home. It's actually, actually coming home. The minute I believed. It kills you. It is the hope. It is. But I, I think, you know, if you can't enjoy, you know, your start to the season after the, the last few seasons you've had, then there's no point in following football. You've got to enjoy what you do. Uh, you know, following your football. We had it, you know, we, we, we had years and years of gradual decline until we ended up in the conference. And, and actually... Being down there, I think a lot of fans really enjoyed. You know, we were going to clubs that we'd never heard of and places that, you know, the football team wasn't named after where it was. It was like, well, where where the hell is that? Where is Histon? Where is Tom? <laughs> you know, and Bardley, <laughs> yeah, and all sorts of places. And I think to an extent now, Sunderland fact is not quite the same because there are some, you know, traditional historic clubs in this division. But you'll be going to places that you've probably never been or certainly haven't been for for years and years. Yeah. And actually it is it, the whole, Oh, everything's all about the premier league. No, we, we have a lot of enjoying, you know, great days out following teams in this division, in the, in league two, in the conference and hopefully soon in the championship. We, it, you, you enjoy winning football. You know, it doesn't really matter if it's league one, because actually you just want to watch your team win football matches. I, I can so align with that. You don't believe like, like when, when things are going shite in your life, like if your team wins on Saturday, it's fine, isn't it? And then yeah, with Sunderland, like, like if I'd had a death in the family over the past two years, I'm fucked yeah. because I have not had three points to look forward to for a long time. And I'm not wishing death on anyone right now if the family's listening. But, you know, if one of them went away, at least I know Sunderland might have a chance of cheering me up for at least 90 minutes on the Saturday. Do you know what I mean? Uh, God bless. Hopefully my mum and dad are safe after I've said that. That's <laughs> A recorded podcast, but nonetheless, um, shows you where my priorities lie, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I agree with you on that. And I think a lot of fans would agree as well that, um, yeah, yeah, it might not be the glamour of the Premier League, but what's better than going through someone's house looting away? Do you know what I mean? It's brilliant. Like, yeah. And you've seen the photos of it and stuff like that. Like, There's only so many times you can sit in that restricted view at Anfield and go, well, this is shite. You know what I mean? It's rubbish. Like, there's no, I mean, the Emirates is the best stadium to look at I've ever been at in my life. Have I ever really enjoyed myself? No, and I've seen this get a result there. Um, but it's like a big cinema. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm the kind of person where I want to go see. A, I'd rather go see a, a punk band and a sweaty small venue where you can't move, yeah. rather than going to see them in the Glasgow Hydro or, or Newcastle Arena or, or whatever. Because um, Sunderland don't have an arena, much like we don't have an airport. You see, which they, I'm sure the Newcastle fans will tell you, because um, that that's what makes them better than us. It's all about the airport. Um, <laughs> like I, that's what I prefer. I prefer like a good band in a small venue. I prefer Sunderland winning games in a real football stadium. It feels a little bit more real about it. And yeah, the Premiership's been great at points, and some of the best times of my life have been in the Premiership, seeing Sunderland win at St James's, um, getting a, a win over Man United, and the, the few great escapes we had. But in the long run, it was it was ten years of getting tonked and getting beat eight and off Southampton. Like, would I prefer us to like get a win at? Wimbledon 2-1 or see us get beat 8-0 Southampton I think we all know the answer to that and I think um, 
as much as we all want to be like the Man Uniteds of this world, at, at the same time, I think most football fans would say they'd rather not support Man United for the very reason that it all seems a bit plastic and fake, doesn't it? Um, well, especially this week with their fans after they've been beaten three 0 by Spurs, their fan, the Man United fans having selfies with Spurs players. So, you know, just think that what is going on? You know, whereas going back to Chris Maguire, you know, when we what rocked up at Swindon and 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 beat them at their place, and and Chris Maguire's just basically winding everybody else up. He's doing the old old boo hoo to their one of their <laughs> players after we've beaten them, and and just. That's what you want to. That's what it's all about. Not not half and half scarves and selfies with the opposition. No, no, no. That that it's poison, isn't it? It's awful. And I know that sounds like very much against modern football and all that rubbish that you get on Twitter these days. But yeah, if that's what being against modern football is, I guess I am. I, I haven't wanted a selfie with like. That's the few times I've I've been around the stadium and. and Last year, I was actually I was in the players' land for one game. Sounds like a subtle brag, but it really wasn't last season. That was the worst place to be, um, and it was the game we got relegated. I was in the players' lounge, and you had people getting like selfies with these people who just been relegated for the second year in a row. And I was just like, "Why don't you want to strangle them?" Like, because I really feel like punching that guy's face in. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I <clears throat> that that's not what it's about for me. Most definitely not. I like, and I think that's why I probably connect with someone like Chris Maguire, exactly what you've just said. I'll tell you what I'll leave you with. I'm curious, talking of modern day football, how much is these players who've played for the teams previously not celebrated and all this sort of stuff if they score against the previous team? So Chris Maguire scores, does he celebrate? Well, actually, I think it did happen last year and I don't think he did, did he? No, he scored for Berry. I think it was a penalty. Oh. Berry, he scored a penalty against us, yeah, for Berry, and um, I don't think he did celebrate. But you know, I've got to say, as disappointing as it was to get done three 0 by Berry last season, a little part of me when he didn't celebrate thought, Chris, you've changed. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> like, I want him no, to that's celebrate. Not who you are, yeah. But it's also, yeah, you know, yeah, I might have cried had I seen him celebrate against us. So there we go. <laughs> well, thanks very much for being on, lads. It's been really good crack. Um, it, it's been nice to get a bit of an insight. I feel like I actually know Oxford now. I still feel pretty confident of a win, so you didn't convince me that you were any good. But um, <laughs> but nonetheless, I feel like I know a little bit more about it. And I hope I hope you have a good journey up. Um, I hope you are staying in Sunderland because it's a far better city um, than that place where some people stay. And I don't mean Middlesbrough because, you know, you obviously know everywhere is better than Middlesbrough. Um even Newcastle, believe it or not. Um, but have fun, but not too much fun. Um, don't take anything back with you in terms of points. And I'm sure we'll get on just fine. And I'll see you later on in the season. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Cheers lad. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye. So I actually really enjoyed that. I thought that was really good crack. Um, I actually didn't expect two of them on. So I got a bit of a shock there uh, when two of them came on. But we handled it all right, didn't we? Didn't do too bad, actually, lads probably would like quite like to catch up with those guys on, on Saturday actually and um, hopefully like I say after three points ribbing them a little bit there but you know that's banter I believe it's called in uh you know in teenage terms or whatever you get cool kids say these days um but yeah thanks for coming back um isn't it nice to just chat about wins and that and chat about having a football team that we actually give you know a crap about I'm really pleased we had so much chat about Chris Maguire because last year there wasn't really many players I really cared about that I could talk about for 10 minutes and we literally just talked for 10 minutes about like Chris Maguire's shithousery. Like, great. That's kind of what you want. You know, you want a player that you can really connect with. And Chris Maguire is definitely someone I'm connecting with a lot. I'm connecting with the team, though. I'm connecting with football again a little bit. And partly of that is, is England um, doing well in the World Cup. And obviously Sunderland uh, with Stuart Donald. Um, it, it just seems like a good place to be. You know, we're not playing amazingly well. Like I said, against Wimbledon, didn't do that well at all. Um, but we'll come out with a win and there's, there's players there that are like trying really hard. You know, there's not one or two players having a go and another seven, eight, nine just not caring and just not pulling their weight. Um, look, we know at one point we're going to get beat. We're not. I'd be surprised if we went through the entire season unbeaten. I think we'd be kidding ourselves if we thought we could do that. And there's going to be a point when we're going to have to kind of take our medicine and accept that someone's done us. Um, hopefully that's not Saturday. I'm desperate to see Sunderland actually win a game. Um, We've won quite a few at home recently, but typically, like I was saying before, they're all the ones that I've missed. Um, you fancy going to like 15 home games and, and you're missing the three that we actually won last season. Um, I did see us win in pre-season. I seen us beat St. Mirren 6-0. 
but that doesn't really count because it didn't mean anything. Um, but I'm actually going to be in the fan zone, I believe, on Saturday. A uh, bit of a strange one. Um, the famous Connor Bromley um, has got me on stage interviewing some Oxford fans, I think. Um, those of you who know, I've been interviewing former players for a while, so hopefully I know what I'm doing. Um, hopefully I, I do something right and don't embarrass myself or, or swear. Someone said I was a little bit too much swearing on this podcast. Well, sorry. Um, you know, I, I didn't mean to do that. We do put explicit on the podcast. Um, but nonetheless, um, thanks again for coming back. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to me drone on and talk about League One football. Uh, let's hope for another three points. Um, actually, a little bit more pessimistic, but just because the fact I'm going is the only reason. Um, secretly, I'm actually quite optimistic, and I, I do really hope that we can get that win that I haven't seen for ages, but some of you may have. Um, let's try and get the top of that league this week, and let's hope that there's a few points dropped by Peterborough. We pick up the three points, we hit the top of that league, and we never drop from it. Subscribe to us as always if you haven't already. Um, read what we write on walkerreport.com and all that other stuff as well. You know, the standard stuff, the promotional things. Um, but basically, if you don't want to do any of that, just tune in when I'm on. Uh, that's what I would do. So thanks very much for doing that again uh, this week if you, if you have. Catch you. Bye-bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.